Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Well, we can all learn a few boundaries, Draymond included. There's no point trying to use that as a segue because that's going to be absolute <laughs> fucking nonsense. So, what do we got? Like a week left before the NBA kicks Not off? Not even. It's the 19th. So, it's like next Wednesday, pretty much. ANZ time. P- potential for a really awesome NBA season where. Because of the draft stakes, you could end up with 10 teams that are just absolutely stacked by the end of the season. You know, like yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if you're short uh, a particular role player or, you know, a, a little bit of scoring coming off the bench, I reckon you're going to be able to find it in a trade this year if you really want to. Yeah, this, this team, this, um, this season, it might have the, the unintended consequence of centralising a lot of power, the power. In, in at the very top yeah. of a lot of conferences. We could end up with the exact opposite of what we were talking about on the uh, on the draft episode, whereby you were talking about how the the wins totals had compressed. The teams don't win, you know, the top teams don't win as many games, and the bad teams don't lose as many games. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like whoever, whoever wins the win spill is going to be because their team. Uh, got to dine out on some absolute garbage at the end, at the bottom of their conference, uh, or in the bottom of their division uh, towards the end of the season. Yeah, and I, I think, like, if you've committed to being in the playoffs, then you really like just making the playoffs when the draft is that good is like, well, we really should be going for it. Like, it's not that there's not going to be too many teams that are going to be happy, except the Kangs. You know, the Kangs are just like. We'll take ninth, thank you. Ninth, we would love ninth. Ninth and a chance to lose. Thank you, that'd be great. We will put up a banner for the play-in tournament. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I, I can see a lot of teams going for it. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I actually, I, I actually wanted to, I, I've been, like, some of the stuff I've been reading this week and, and I sort of wanted to talk about the Sixers and the Suns who are sort of two of the powerhouse teams in each conference. The, and and two with, key members of my all-asshole NBA draft team. Sorry, Giannis. <laughs> well, you, your lot will have to count as part of that. Um, you get a, uh, get a bit of residual asshole from the fact you, that, that the Green Bay Packers are yeah, in your state and Aaron Rodgers is a I was going to say, they, they, got, they got Grace and Allen on their side. They yeah, and their owner's a bit of a, a, bit of a problem. So. I mean, <laughs> he's an owner of a... Of a of a professional sports yeah. franchise yeah. in America. Well, we can probably talk about that at some later stage. So, like, I was thinking about how to win a championship, you can't just nail, like, getting, like, you know, this is in the context of Wimbenyama, right? Like, so if you get, if you Victor Wimbenyama, prospective first that, round, for number one pick of the next NBA draft. That sort of gets you to a point and then you've got to nail all the other stuff around it. So Golden State are a really good example of they spent a couple of years in the wilderness not nailing all the other stuff that they put around Steph. 
but, I mean, but Steph wasn't. I mean, they didn't know that Steph was that anyway. So it it, it it's even more uh, an extreme case of team building because they didn't know that what they had was a high pick. Because, no, no, I was. Because he I'm came late and he was injured, the- and, he, and they were going to trade him for fucking dude who cracked himself up on a on a scooter. Yeah, I'm not even talking about. Um, I'm not even talking about that build. I'm talking about the last couple of years where, you know, they they bought the wrong sort of players and they had the wrong sort of coaches and the, you, you know, they they weren't crushing the things on the margins like they they used to. Lost a lot of games and had that sort of, uh, you know, that they learnt their lessons and went and changed shit. I guess is what I'm saying. And the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is. The Suns bench, right, is a reflection of that stupid, oh, we don't really care about the draft <laughs> situation. Like, we've nailed three or four draft picks, so now we don't have to worry about, you know, doing that Memphis Grizzlies thing of nailing the second rounder and, and developing him into the seventh guy on your rotation. See, I don't even think it's that. I think it's more that they they didn't nail their draft picks. They were incredibly bad at them. Josh Jackson. Uh, and mm. and just figured out, hey, we aren't good at this. Maybe we should focus on other stuff. Now it's working for the moment because they're a free agent destination because of their their yep. success and because of the culture they got to build up in the bubble and because of Chris Paul and whatever other reasons you want to use. But at the moment, it works. Yeah, and yeah, but like not for long. It, th- that sort of that sort of stuff seems to, like not nailing the draft and not having a really deep bench is sort of. I think leeching away at the fringes, and and you know if you're playing the Bucks in the finals, having one more bench guy, having a backup point guard that could actually do something, might have been the difference between staying in another game. Only if by do something you mean kill Giannis in his sleep. That's the only way they were beating, yeah, the, yeah. Fucking, right, I, they were beating the Bucks. I'm not saying that it would have. I'm not saying it would have. Wouldn't have. Would have changed the outcome. But I don't think that they gave themselves every chance. And the same with the Sixers, right? Because I was, I was looking at, looking at a story, reading a story, sorry, about Herb Jones this week, and how, you know, he came in off the draft as this sort of defender that didn't have a shot, you know. So everyone knew that he was going to be a good defender, but it was like, well, can he improve his shooting enough to stay on the floor? And by the end of the season, he was shooting at like an above-average rate for an NBA player. And everyone's like, well, that's probably unsustainable. And now in the preseason's game, he's still shooting at that rate. Now they've got, you know, the second best shooting coach in the league on that um, on that roster. And if you flip it to uh, the Sixers, who've got Tybal, and they've just done fucking nothing with Tybal. He's, sh- he's shooting and I his don't offense think, I, is I'd real. I'd be surprised if Tybal might, might not be in the fucking rotation. They did, yeah, did not that, seem but, to be valuing him at all. That, but that's what I mean, right? Like... Uh, Maury seems to have done a much better job at surrounding Embiid with the sort of team Old that Rockets he needs players. to be surrounded with. Old Rockets, yeah, but but it's a it's a much more solid team than it was. But Doc and the coaching staff, and Doc's got a, a massive track record of just like wiping guys, and once he wipes a guy, he's got no interest in making them a better player or building them up or oh, I was trying to remember there was a guy that went from the Clippers to Milwaukee Jared Dudley. and uh, yeah and when he retired he talked about how like soul crushing the way Doc dealt with him was and and how it took him a long time to sort of rebuild his confidence back up into being a professional NBA player and it's just like 
if you're going for a championship, can you afford to to have that sort of attitude of, well, I've got six good players, so I don't, just don't give a fuck about guy seven through to if ten? If you're going for a championship, how important is Jared Dudley? I guess that's the question, isn't it? Yeah. If you if you figure like, if you're a coach and you genuinely believe Jared Dudley is not going to contribute to my team, you know, yeah. But, then, but isn't then, isn't Jared then you isn't Jared Dudley Gary Payton Jr. on the Warriors at the start of last season? Isn't he that like no Jared if, Dudley's Jared Dudley? I think we know who who, who Jared Dudley was. <laughs> but do, 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 you, do you get what I'm saying? Like if it, wumbling about for the Nets in one of his last seasons. If we'd said, if we'd said Gary Payton Jr. is going to be one of the most important players for the Warriors at the start of last season, we would have gone, ah, oh, no, come on, mate. You, you have another, you know, they, Steph and Clay and Draymond and Wiggins and, you know, Pey- Payton will be. Yeah, but, you, but you're doing an N, N equals one comparison. I mean, you can't just say just because this one player turned out for this one team and this other player didn't plan out for this other team, that therefore. One's approach works and one's approach doesn't. This is all fucking n equals one. It's it's it's, it's single use case. There's not you can- no no uh, that that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can't leave it, it like if if you really are serious about winning a championship, you can't leave any stone unturned. Like you've got to do everything. You got to try and do all of the things, not just not just a couple of the things. And that and that's what the Suns and the Sixers remind me of. They're happy to do some bits well, but they're not willing to do. All of the bits. It's well. all right. I understand you're still bitter that you didn't get to pick them in the draft. It's okay. <laughs> what the when, they, when they beat, when they win both conferences and meet each other in the finals, <laughs> then you know. Well, uh, your apology that, will have been that, accepted. That, that, that is not happening. And, well, and I'm I've seen odds say that say that it will. So, <laughs> I mean, the Suns were the top of the the West win totals, and the um, and the Sixers are one of the favourites in the East. So. I would get ready for the idea for your feelings to be hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, like get, gambling just makes me fucking sketchy. But like the Celtics, yeah, but it's based the, on the, the, they're, they're based on trying to make money, and the people who are trying to make money generally know the most. Yeah, well, because they're, it's their fucking right. business model. So the, then explain the Celtics, right? The Celtics are the favourites in the East, um, and the they, Celtics. It's not like there is a, It's not like they when, when you talk about a team like the, the Celtics. There's a there's a different. There's also a. We need to make money out of the people who bet on this team. Ah, yeah. So that's the Lakers bump. Oh, know. yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the Celtics have that bump. Yeah. The Knicks have that bump. Although it was interesting that people were saying <laughs> hit the over on the Knicks, even with the Knicks getting lots of bump. Maybe they're part of the conspiracy. Oh. Maybe it's 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 the <laughs> it's the it's the draft the power behind the throne of Dra- DraftKings or something. There, there must be something about living in the US because people are just unreasonably positive about the Knicks. It's like. They're the fucking Knicks, man. Like, oh, I, I would be going the under on that team. But anyway. Again, um, trying to talk down my teams. I see what you're doing here. It's, it's, <laughs> it's jealousy and it's pathetic. I think the raisin is still working its way out of your system. It's, it's, you know, you need, you, need to work, you need to work through these issues. Although we should, we should be as positive as we it. can because, you know, obviously we've had some serious issues on the podcast in the last week and I want to make a statement. I want to say that, you know, it was – um, as far as us moving forward, Bezo is a professional, and I'm a professional. We have a job to do, and we're going to just do just that. We both know how to podcast. That's the most important thing for us going forward, and and making sure our pod camaraderie is right is the most important thing. Furthermore, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. So, uh, when are you being traded to at the drive-through? <laughs> Given that I'd probably snore through all their um, 
the New Zealand politics segments. I don't think, I don't think anytime soon. Um, Draymond Green did one of the most fantastic fucking man in a hot dog suit uh, meme efforts in the press conference that he did today. Uh, it was impossible not to love. I just. Has he jumped the shark? Is the yeah. self-awareness just he, gone? He's already he's 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 done his heel turn. He's already mentally on the TNT panel at this stage, and you, you kind of feel like he would have already been traded if if G, I'm sure the Dubs front office have, have have done the maths, they've done the legwork, they've phoned around, yeah. and they know that no team will give them the value they're looking for because the only team that would have has nothing to trade. The the clutch team, so. Everyone's stuck with everyone else for a bit, or or I'm willing to trade the actual assets that they do have. Because- you're not you're not giving a you're not giving a first for an expiring Draymond Green, expiring in terms of his contract and in terms of his career. Because because I think everyone thinks that that 29 unprotected draft pick that the Lakers could trade could be really really good, considering you know Anthony Davis has either been injured or refuses to talk in the first person at all. Just, just like so psych- Psychological flaws are not... The personality failings are not any, a long-term injury. Are you sure? Well, Mark Latham's been able to keep his career going forever and he seems yeah. it doesn't seem to have affected him. Oh, uh, I feel I feel for the anyone that has to coach the Lakers. That just just don't... They're not, getting paid. does not seem fun. Yeah, yeah, they're getting really well paid, I guess, but... The, the biggest problem is that no matter what you do, and, and you know, it, it's not it's not unique to the Lakers. It's you know, it'll happen at the Knicks, it'll happen at Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's like every little tiny fucking nuance gets blown out of proportion. Like the fact that Russ mm. wasn't in the huddle that that uh, Pat Bev was leading in a preseason game because he was doing the thing he always does at the start of fucking games, just like LeBron used to do that ridiculous chalk clap. He was doing the thing he always fucking does. It's like, oh, look, he's away from the team. <laughs> like, you don't have to invent reasons for these guys not to like each other. <laughs> it's like built in. Oh, man. I mean, I think, I mean my, my take on the Lakers is that they're going to be fine. They're going to be pretty much like the Knicks. They're going to be 500-ish. They're going to be playing adjacent. 9 and that's not going to be enough for the people who want want drama, but that's that's about what they've got. Uh, I have to say that there's more than a small part of me that just wants their season to go really, really badly. What do you mean there's more than a small part of you? There's 97.9% of you that wants that to happen. <laughs> I want them to get the number one draft pick in the lottery and then have to swap it with the Pelicans. Well, the Pelicans might actually need a number one draft pick, considering your friend and mine, Mr. Zion Williamson, is broken again. Uh, like, do you take anything in the preseason seriously? What, that, he's, that Zion's injured? Oh, he, he had like an ankle sprain and they took him out of the game. Yeah, yeah like- I'm sure that won't be any kind of issue for a seven-foot-tall, 9,000-pound man. He is, he is another case study in why everyone needs to just back the throttle down about your man, Vic. It's like... Oh, the, the thing I hate, the, the reason I get I, I get pissed off about it is that oh, you think back to Greg Oden, who had all this hype as well in a time before the hype was anywhere near quite as universal and social media fed. But that man's life's been fucking ruined by the fact that he was a number one pick and he he, he never turned out because because his body let him down. And you think if that if that you know, it's not fair for this to happen to people when they don't actually have any say in the fucking matter. Um. I really do wonder how his career, and another Portland guy too, Brandon Brandon Roy, Roy, 
yeah, it would have gone in the modern era with some of the the stuff that they know now. Yeah, because Brandon Roy wasn't that like, long ago too. Like I've I, I got a, a a kid that played for me. Who, he's a kid. He's going to be twenty nine at the next World Cup. Um, who played for me at at the last World Cup and basically did a hamstring in the first two minutes of the game. Super athlete, just like unbelievable athlete, but was prone when he was younger to lots of little niggly soft tissue injuries. Like, you know, he'd play a couple of games and then the third game he'd have a little calf tear or a little hamstring tear or whatever. Now he's older and sort of his body's settled down. I, I really don't have any other explanation for that. Like his body seems to have matured and he can play a whole carnival. Or he's more, he's more aware of, of what the, the – I, I was suspecting no, he, more that he's more aware of what happens just before it goes ping. So he knows at what yeah, point maybe, he needs to maybe. just lift the throttle, just not to, or, not to or, stretch out entirely. Um, it might be that Jar Morant thing where it's like, oh, you know, I need to develop an outside shot so I don't have to bang, yep. you know, twist my body six different ways. Though, did you, did you see who was the player that said something to him Irritated to irritated him, and Morant just like was like, oh, "I am going to destroy you, all of you who are on the court for the next seven minutes." And like stole it, went for this twisty layup, and then this massive fucking dunk through the lane, and then another steal with an outlet pass. And it's just like it's good that he wasted okay. all that effort in a fucking preseason game. I know, but I just I just love that he's got that in him, right? He's he's got that. Do you love that he can't that, that- fucking bottle it and save it for the time that actually matters? But, but he's I, a fucking professional earning tens of millions of dollars a fucking year. If I was his coach, I don't think I'd, I'd say, okay, that's great, mate. But if you'd done a fucking ankle on that dunk landing in a fucking preseason game because you couldn't deal with the fact that somebody called your mum a big fatty chumbo, fucking son, what are you doing? And the, the oh, thing is, that's the, the, why the, the Grizz in general play with a bit too much chip, and I think they're going to have yeah. to learn their way around it because they're not going to win shit until they can figure out their, oh, until they can calm their shit down. Like you can grow from that attitude, though. Like that—that's an attitude you can start with, and then and then smooth out and become, you know, get that more professionalism, and still have that bubbling away in the surface and use it. That—that's definitely something that you get with young teams. That that does. Well, it can either go completely wrong and the team implodes, or you see it mature out and you see it sort of come out when it's needed. You know, you, you get that fire. It's there, but it's not. It's not stoked by the other team. It's sort of stoked internally, if that makes sense. Um, I've got, I got really long-term hopes for the Grizz. I reckon that that could be a championship side down the track if, if they have some luck. The NBA because- is not going to let Memphis win a fucking title. Are you insane? <laughs> Memphis. conspiracies with theory, dude. What are they going to do with Memphis? Being the fucking what kind of what kind of fucking championship parade are you going to have in Memphis? One with lots of ribs, I would imagine. Yeah. One with um, our old mate, what's his name, Mark Cohn, walking with his feet look, ten look, feet off of Beal. The the fact that the Knicks haven't won a championship is the best advertisement for there being no conspiracy theory in the NBA. It might just be a long con, though, or it might just be that arsehole owners are enough of a tax on the on the the league that. You know, yeah. but they never win anything. See also the, <laughs> the Washington, whatever you want to call them, in the NFL. C-words. Yes, they are C-words, the Durs. So the big story on the NFL side this week was that 
there was an ESPN expose of, the, of various confidants and affiliates and associates of the Washington formerly Redskins, then football team, then uh, commander's owner, Dan Snyder, who is renowned as the worst owner in American sports. Uh, and uh, the one who everybody, every other, every other billionaire in the NFL fucking hates this guy. Uh, but apparently, he's been telling for you know f- confidants who clearly shouldn't be confidants because they leaked this shit to Del Van Nutter at ESPN <laughs> straight away. That, uh, he reckons he has enough dirt from f- you know sending his lawyers, private investigators after around to track people that he's got enough dirt on all the other owners and the, and the commissioner of the league that if, if he's going down, he's taking the rest of them with him. Because, of course, he's got a long history of sexual harassment cover-ups and heinous shit, just heinous, heinous shit, along with refusing to change the name from a racial slur for um, generations. Um, so, But it is interesting that they are still, the rest of the, his claim is that, you know, it, it's a it's a snake pit, all the owners hate each other, it's like the mafia, and then when that idea was put to another NFL owner, um, he told the ESPN, nah, nah, it's, everyone just hates him. Everyone just hates him. <laughs> and the main reason <laughs> is because he him. runs his, he runs his, he, it used to be like, it's a bit like the Broncos, it used to be like a flagship franchise that made shitloads of money through profit sharing for the rest of the league. And it's a fucking shambles. They, they had to cut their their stadiums falling apart. They had to cut their fucking um, capacity from 90,000 to like 60,000. And, and even then they can't fill it because people don't want to come and watch a shit team. Um, they're just a fucking shambles. So um, my question to you is who'd be the mm. most who'd be the most likely NBA owner to have dirt files on all the other owners? In the NBA, and why is it Mark Cuban? Yeah, I was going to say it's got to be Cuban, doesn't it? Yeah, um, you know, because didn't he? He, didn't he would remember- come up with an app that you could that you could use to standardise the, the yeah, collection he- of dirt on other he- owners. He he had one. He had a signal. He did. Type app he had with, his, his know, exploding dis- message dis- disappearing messages and stuff. Yeah, so you couldn't actually find out how uh, much you hate the other other owners. Um, which I'm sure every reporter he ever talked to had to have that app so that he could control the yeah. message. There's um, always screenshots, and if that doesn't that doesn't work, there's always been taking a photo of your your screen with your other phone. So, uh, I saw one of the Bucks owners was angling to get out, and I thought that was a bit strange. I, I guess I think a lot of the minor owners are often fairly fluid. There's a lot of situations where the person who you think is the the owner owner is really only the leader of the largest minority owner. A bit like with the Suns, where Sava only owns. We've been thinking Sava's the big owner of the fucking Suns, owns thirty five percent. I did. I did like that. If you're the majority owner, though, you can be petty and say, "When I sell the team, everybody else has Everyone to sells sell the team. as well." <laughs> yeah, I couldn't work out why that was the thing. I thought, well, surely it'll just be his thirty five percent, but. No, well, they they reckon that that's probably what will happen. He doesn't have to. It, he doesn't have to trigger a, a major where, sale. He's better off just selling to well, the other partners and just quietly fucking off. Well, I guess that the thing is that if you're um, Bormer, you don't want to buy part of a team. You know, yeah. you want all of the team because, like, what's the difference? Well, it's not like it depends whether you, if you want to sell it to one of those big, one of those big single buyers, then then you have to sell yeah. the whole thing. But it kind of, I think what what they'll do is they'll aim to sell the whole bloody thing. Um, although I'm sure there, there'll there be minority bo- owners who don't want to sell. They quite like being part of it. I mean, that, these things are all, you know, it's like owning a fucking yacht or a, or a Lamborghini or a, or a beach house. It's a status symbol yeah. that you get to play with on the weekend. Um, there there was a couple of sort of positive ish uh, prospective owners being bandied about, like names that you'd never heard of. But there was a a guy that was a um, 
fairly decent college basketball player and then got into software or uh, yeah, Silicon yeah. Valley is always a not, good place to find owners. Well, it, it's it's got to be better than fucking loan sharks, right? Which is Which Dan Gilbert, know, Dan Gilbert, and and there's a couple of others yeah. I think that you know own loan companies. Like, but let's look, let's know, look at the Silicon Valley turnout. You've got your Vivex, you've mm. got your Bulmers, <laughs> you've got your old mate from Utah a, who did who, as the as the survey the survey software. Yeah, you got. He, didn't Laker the, make money he's, there? He's, Isn't that where Laker's money comes from? Uh, don't know. Go- I know Goober's a he's a Hollywood guy. Goober. He was a producer. It might be a Goober. He's um, not um, a Goober. Th- there's been there's been not much negativity about the Utah owners, has there? Other Part than, than his like- best mates with Danny Ainge, who's best mates with Donald yeah, Trump, I'll- and they're tearing down a perfectly good basketball team for feelings. It's not wide enough or something. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. They're not going to be good again for no. ten years. In fact, they might never, ever, Probably. ever, ever be good again. Well, I don't think well, I don't think they, they quite grasp how fucking difficult it is to build through the draft when you're a team that nobody wants to go to. See, th- this is what pisses me off about OKC, right? OKC were in the finals three seasons ago. Three seasons is not that long to be out of the playoffs. Playoffs. Okay, when you said finals, I was thinking 2011 oh, no, no, wasn't playoffs. three years ago. I'd like to believe but, but, it was because they were, you know, I was but, younger and right, had more hair. But, you know, P- 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 Presty gets hammered and it's like, mate, the Sacramento Kings would kill for the last 15 years of OKC's history. Like, if if you could, the, the amount of teams in the league that if you said, I'll take the Presty area at OKC, they would be fucking stoked to have that. Let me just look this up. Thunder. Bezo. Oh, it's another team of yours you're talking up. You really have leaned into this. I'm going to talk up all my teams and talk down everybody else's. Like the problem with the Thunder is that they have set out to ruin. They're pretty much like the reason everybody hates Dan Snyder. They are a net suck on the profits and the success of the league because they they do not contribute to everyone else's success in any way and haven't for they haven't since Russell yeah, Westbrook left. Isn't that the isn't that the NBA's fault for putting him in OKC though? Like if, well, if no, they were, that, well, it's the NBA's fault. It's Davis Dunn's fault for agreeing to allow them to move yeah. to OKC. Like uh, I mean, they could have sucked Seattle. in Seattle. I mean, they sucked enough in Seattle yeah. to draft to to draft Kevin Durant, and and that mm. uh, that you know that, they were terrible enough after that to to get the pick to draft Russell Westbrook, who what you know back in the day was a top five draft pick. Um, yeah, the whole Thunder thing has been uh, a black eye on the NBA. Yeah, I don't know. I think the Kings are a bigger black eye in the NBA than the Thunder. But- no, I think I think you need you need teams that are perennially crap, but you don't need a team <laughs> that is actually a cancer. And I think the existence of the OKC Thunder is is kind of a testimony to all the worst things about the league. Whereas the the Sacramento Kings are just the West Tigers, you know, and you need a West Tigers. <laughs> wow. I don't know whether that's bad. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out whether that's an insult to Sacramento. No, but what I mean West. is that when the West Tigers win something, you know, yeah. it'll be it'll be a good twenty years since the last time they won something. Pretty much like Sacramento, mm. it'll be twenty years between being relevant and having Tim Donahue fuck up your um your championship run. Uh, it's gonna matter so much more. But you know, for the for the Thunder. Who's going to give a fuck that they went through the darkness and came into the light when the Knicks finally win something? The Bing Bong and the fucking the whole the videos after that are yeah. going to be amazing because one day they will. It, we we might all be dead by then, 
Well, one yeah, day I was going to say, not in my... Because it's not a salary cap league. They have to fall ass backwards into something someday. Then again, perhaps St Kilda probably thought that too. And uh, and here they are. Yeah, the, the AFL seems to be eating itself. Like, once upon a time... It's been difficult because was... when you get the story... When you you get the non-local media, it kind of everything... It's a little, about, mm. like, little bit like watching the news from any foreign country is always very stylized, and you think, Jesus Christ, like England right now, like Britain, is, is sounds like a complete fucking nightmare. But I bet if you're actually in Britain, it's not quite as nutty as it seems with the completely no, no, insane, no, incompetent I, prime minister stumbling from catastrophe I, to catastrophe. I've got, got a few mates in England at the moment. Yeah, no, no, it's it's yeah. really that bad. But, but you, can just, you can still go to the pub and, you know, you, you know your house is on fire. Life goes on. It's not like your life is wrapped up entirely in, in that. Story and I, I feel like in uh, the, the stories that you hear outside Footy HQ of Victoria are different to the stories that you fear, you hear inside Footy HQ of Victoria in terms of the state of the place. But the state of the place, the vibes are not good in in the in the Australian Football League. The whole thing seems to be an absolute fucking shambles. For international listeners, um, what do you, what do we describe it as? Don't think that St Kilda just fired their coach, having given him an extension three months ago. A hundred days. He just signed a contract 100 days ago. Yeah, that's three months for those who can't count. And he's not seen as a, I don't know. The the key thing is that St Kilda have won one flag in 150 years. And I think this board got elected on the promise that they would definitely deliver another flag by 2020. Um, Don't make those sorts of claims because they're absolutely undeliverable. It's the kind of shit that Barcelona presidents claim in, in the ridiculous election that they have. But it does. Um, it does seem like you know the AFL is in that kind of space right at the moment where there's just a lot of. Uh, it just. It just seems like they they, you know, bounce from one scandal to the other. Like you know, Hawthorne had this just completely rancid review. Just a, of a their horrific culture. fucking stuff that came out of that. At, at the same time, North Melbourne win a coaching battle, like win a battle. To hide, to hide the that coach that was who was very prominently named in this particular report, and of yeah. course all these mates came uh, out the press saying, "Ah, oh, you know, I, I take I take his word out over anyone." So like, yeah, okay, good on you, mate. Uh, uh, and Thank then, you a, for your and then a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks before Pride Round in the AFL uh, W, the, the Essendon board go, "Well, what we really need is someone that can be, you know, a religious bigot." And a misogynist, all wrapped up yeah. in one package. That sounds like a great idea for a chairman. Up background checks? No. This, this makes <laughs> this makes Manly's fumbling with their pride jersey look positively um, well-meaning, professional. Because you know they were trying to do something positive. They just massively underestimated how Bible-whipped their um their playing roster was. It just baffles me. It it really does. It's like. You know what? What will be next? It's actually mainly um, fired Des Hasler, is it? Because you know his hair hasn't, or his coaching hasn't advanced since 1972. I was thinking about that. Are, are all the NRL clubs now privately owned? No. Or are they still owned by? Are some still owned by like leagues? I think clubs most and... of them are still owned by leagues clubs. Right. I'm trying to think of the ones that aren't. I mean. Manly well, Melbourne, aren't Melbourne, Brisbane, the Broncos aren't Melbourne, Brisbane, Manly, Gold Coast. Probably Not sure about the Gold Coast. Owned. I think it might be. Yeah, I think they might be privately owned. Um, and Penra, probably um, Newcastle must be because they got sold to Tinkler and then they got bought back by somebody else. Maybe it got they got bought back by a grassroots thing. Yeah, I suppose well, no, it's probably more likely that they are. I mean, Souths are owned by Rusty. 
Yeah, we could probably Google this and it'd probably be less of a guessing competition. <laughs> Look it up yourselves, might, folks. Might be, who's, who's not privately owned? I just, I don't know. You just don't seem to hear about the owners of NRL clubs well, that much. There's always Mark Latham. Souths. Mark Latham, he likes being publicly owned. Mm. Second Mark Latham crack of the fucking week. He's just, he's just, he's his foreign keeps growing. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. It's some sort of gigantism. <laughs> it's not his brain busting out, that's for sure. No, no. He's smearing steroids on his forehead. So have we got any other um, like wild NBA takes that we want to get out? So I don't think so. I think we're just going to get on with completely the comp. Completely wrong. See it turn up. That, that, that's going to be good times. I'm disappointed we missed out on Mancad season. Well, basically, all, all the fucking the colonial powers were getting upset about the existence of mancads. And everyone who um, plays cricket to the rules says, "Stay in your fucking crease, then." Crease. I mean, we, we are it, extremely. We are very pro pro mancad podcast. About as pro as you can get. Yeah. Like, it, it, I just, I one of my favorite things in a conversation with someone about cricket that's like, oh, I can't believe they fucking. You know, you should warn them. And it's like, why? But it's fucking cheating, what are you and they're for? like, "Yes, it's cheating." And I'm like, "No, no. When you leave your crease <laughs> before the ball's been bowled, you're cheating. You're like, you're literally trying to get an advantage, yeah. an illegal advantage. And if you get run out, which is what it is, but I just love how the ICC's gone. Well, fuck the lot of you. We'll just change the rule. We'll change the rule. And if you leave the ball, if you leave the crease before the ball has left the bowler's hand, and they want to fucking run you out." Fair Have game. a good time. And <laughs> if you like- want to not do that to opposition teams because your feelings get hurt, good luck yeah. with that, you pathetic clowns. I, I think man cads was- fucking rule. And and it's more like can mad because these other teams can get mad about a legal form of dismissal. So, you know, it's far too uh, in favour of the batsman anyway. So fuck them. Yeah, the the more more advantage of a bowler is always a good thing in my opinion. What do you reckon about this new rule that they've just dropped in about it doesn't matter if the bat the batters cross the the on strike the 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 striker after yeah, a new after a wicket is again, always the like it. It's interesting, like isn't it? it? It takes a little bit of strategy out, but it does at least make the you know the person who was on you know the person who's responsible for the wicket is the one who has to face it. Uh, and also, too, it it changes the end of um, like one day in T twenty games very right? much so because. If you've got two set batsmen and one of them has a slog and the next guy in is fucking hopeless, then, yeah, it's, it's you know, you can't just chip it up in the air, cross over, oh, it doesn't matter, you know. The, the good guy's st- still on strike mm. and, and now he can farm it around. It's like, no, we could lose three wickets quickly and lose this game. I, I think it's awesome. I, I really like that. Um, I feel like... The icy... Sorry. <laughs> The ICC Rules Committee uncommonly making sensible decisions. Yeah. What's going it's, on? It won't last. It won't last. Do you feel like this T20 World Cup thing is going to capture the imagination of literally anybody at all? Look, uh, me, because that's the only time I like short-form male cricket, is is World Cups. I don't know what it is. It's just I could not. Uh, well, I've got bad news for I you. Your country re- sucks at it. Like, yeah, sucks yeah, I, at I, it. I, I, well, we're the world champions. You suck at There's it. Is that? Have you seen them play? Of course you haven't, because nobody was aware Australia were playing no, T Twenty internationals this week. But because I do not care about any game. Like I was literally thinking that today. Someone tweeted, "Oh, you know, Australia's playing England." And I'm like, "Up, oh, it's still not the World Cup. Don't Are care. They? Don't care." But 
But as soon as that switch falls up, I reckon I'll watch shitloads of games. I, I, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about a World Cup that I love. Um, Stakes. It's in stakes, say, in that's that, the biggest problem that uh, that you know one day internationals always had. There were no stakes, and that's why they were trying to create some with a with the existence of some kind of super league or something where you could actually see where the points. The problem is that nobody plays the same number of games, so it's impossible to have a league. This is what this is the problem they were trying to fix with the uh, UEFA with the instead of having all the friendlies in the non like World Cup or Euro qualifying periods, they had they invented this Nations League, which was basically a way of kind of formalising the friendly so you were playing teams that are about as good as you and that they got enough groups together and made it till there was a promotion and relegation. And it actually has turned into a, into a kind of an interesting little competition. It's formatted differently to the to the tournaments because the tournaments you often end up with these groups where you have, you know, one really good team, one good team, one average team and one shit team and you kind of know how it's going to turn out. In these in the Nations League, all the t- all the good teams are clustered together in the same sort of groups. And then, you know, if the bottom teams in each group go down to the next level. So it's like you've got a whole bunch of little mini leagues. And I wonder if that's the way that um, T20 cri- – uh, sorry, uh, One Day International Cricket needs to look rather than just having some kind of weird, rambling, everybody-involved kind of Super League to try and make people care about um, random unilateral uh, One Day International games in the middle of nowhere, miles away from a tournament. Oh, th- this is what I don't understand, right? Though is some of the most meaningful soccer games in nations' histories are not in World Cups. They're World Cup qualifying matches, right? Hmm. There are the games that get you into the World Cup, which is going to be and less yet- and less now that it's the, the the tournaments have become bigger and bigger, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, cricket refuses to do it. It's like make one day as quali- qualifiers for the World Cup. But, but well, they no, they, they kind of have with this Super League thing. But the thing is that it's, um, or I don't know what it's called, the Super League or something. But I think the problem the, the problem it has is that the big the big money teams are never. It's almost like it's almost like a Super League where like the one that that was proposed by the big European clubs, where those big European clubs participation is ring fenced. They're never going to drop out of it, and that's kind of what you have with the current um, big three led ICC. There's never any mm. risk of Australian, uh, England, or India. Even no matter how badly they go, not qualifying for a World Cup. Yeah. So there's no jeopardy. Oh, well, hope spring's eternal. All right, Doc, should we uh, sign off till the actual games next week and come back and talk some tunes? We should do that, and we'll do our, our usual massive overreaction to half a half a week of basketball games. It's a tradition. <laughs> my favorite episode. My favorite episode of the year. Yeah, you've missed it the last two years running. It doesn't matter. I, I still just like. I, I love like three games in going. The Suns are going to win it all. Yep. Golden State's terrible. Yep. <laughs> it has to be done. It has to be done. That's why. That's why you know. Even in the last two years, you, for some reason, you, you might have been school holidays or something, um, or or some sort of uh, coaching job, but you did been out. So we had to get out of it and and just it, it, these overreactions must be overreacted to. It must be done. Yeah. yeah, they won't do. They won't do it themselves. Can't wait to be, you know, saying that the, the Kangs are going to win it all after they go two and one in their first three games. <laughs> all right, Doc. See you on the flip side. Cheers, man. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know.